Welcome to Fiery Discourse, your podcast or media featuring dragonesses, female dinosaurs, and other similar stories and scalies. I'm your host, LeMillanon, and with me are my co-hosts, Angron, Lucky Eevee, Mad Machine, and Striker. Today is our 50th episode, and we hope to give you many, many more because we have officially crossed 50 episodes of this show. Yep. I mean, can't believe it that we ever would have made it, and here's the many, many more. And we're going to celebrate... Yep, we're going to celebrate by discussing easily the oldest thing we are ever going to cover on this podcast, the 1914 animated short, Gertie the Dinosaur. Oh, so, yeah. Let's get things started. So, Windsor McKay was uh, the creator of the uh, Little Nemo comic strip, which is probably better known for its uh, very strange 1980s movie. He also mm-hmm. did a, a live-action uh, movie... Uh, movie called Dream of the Welsh Rarebit Fiend, which is basically about a man who eats too much food and has a nightmare. Oh, dear. And, uh, yep, Gertie the Dinosaur actually started off as a vaudeville show way before movies. What it was was Gertie, uh, Windsor would screen the movie and he would talk directly to Gertie on the stage in that. And because it was hey. so popular, William Fox of uh, you know 20th Century Fox fame Decided to make it into a film version, and it really uh, turned out great. And it's probably one of the most influential things we were ever going to talk about on this podcast. Oh yeah, Windsor. Yep, Windsor claimed he was the first man to make animated cartoons, but he definitely isn't. I mean, he's lying there because there's cartoons from like the 1900s and you know even the 1890s. So because yeah, he definitely wasn't the first guy to ever make a cartoon or even to put it to film. Or even but make moving first, pictures, quote-unquote. Let's put it this way. Let's say this is the first cartoon to be influential, or the first cartoon to actually be noticed by a wide variety of people, I think. Exactly, yeah. Gertie is, yeah. yeah Gertie is to animation what Pong is to the video game industry. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Without that, we wouldn't... Without Gertie, I mean, there is so much with the influence, and we're going to get to it later on, but... Oh, yeah. I mean, let's like, say, Gertie is are, basically... I'm sorry, go ahead. Aren't there, like, earlier um, anime animations, like, from Japan or something? I yeah, 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 there's so. that from Japan, there's some France, there's uh, the uh, cutout animation from Germany. It, it has existed for a long, long oh, time, yeah. but I feel like this is the one that was the most uh, influential one, let's put it that way. Yeah, it wasn't really as known in the past, but thanks to Gurry, now it is. Yeah. Of course, yeah. So, <laughs> one thing that's interesting uh, with this cartoon that I do not know... It has uh, live-action portions, because I only previously saw videos of it with just the animated part of it. Mm-hmm. So the short begins with a, a framing device, Windsor McKay going to a history museum with uh, several of his colleagues. Uh, their car gets a flat tire, and they're forced to go into the museum. They see a dinosaur skeleton, and one interesting thing to note here, they called dinosaurs dinosauruses in this, in the uh, intertitles. Uh, which turns out to have been like an old term for dinosaurs or something like that. Yeah, that's pretty what? weird. And also, it would later be replaced with a different name. I forget what it was, but yeah, yeah, like, like Brontosaurus. But back then, it was just called like a dinosaurus. 
Which, to I be fair, it was, you know, better a little it was 120 years ago, 110 years ago, so you gotta expect uh, different stuff there. Honestly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Understandable, even. Yep. So basically, uh, Windsor makes a bet with uh, one of his friends that he can make a dinosaur alive again with animation. And we get to see some of the process of animation as it takes uh, six months to uh, complete the film. Windsor basically explains to his friend and to the audience, because it's fascinating to think, the concept of animation had to be explained to like to a wide group, like how this actually worked. Because the intertitle says like I had to do like ten thousand drawings to make them move and stuff like that. You know, it really is fascinating. Think of a time when something that we take for granted every day had to be basically introduced to people. Yeah, we also have to consider I that the idea of moving film itself was only like 10, 15 years old at that point. So the idea of moving pictures, uh, drawings, must have been so out there. Yeah. Wow. You spacemen from the future really know your stuff. (laughs) Oh, man. It also cut... Oh, gosh. I had a thought. Uh, Oh, yeah. It also reminds me of this uh, joke Wander Over Yonder did, where, like, Lord uh, Hater is making an animated feature to show how he's the superior person and whatnot. And he's like, ah, animation is so hard! People who do this for a living should be given more respect. <laughs> That's it basically the first of the joke. Yeah, it also reminds me of the uh, classic Kirby anime episode, the uh, cartoon buffoon, yo. Do you oh, know yeah. how many drawings I'd have to do, sire? I'd go crazy if I had to keep on animating. And then of course, <laughs> DD coming at you turns out to not be so good, but they tried. But now again, right. yeah, and, and I think it, I think it's also pretty much a message to every other per- aspiring animator. Like there's Batu, there's uh, Kim C. Joe owns, etc., etc. Pretty much. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So yeah, uh, we also get a cute little bit of slapstick comedy here as uh, uh, one of Windsor's of uh, one of Windsor's assistants. He's carrying all the pictures and he falls down a flight of stairs with them. Charlie Chaplin. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm a this is the time a bit yeah. of just stacking things onto a person until he can't carry anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like uh like, like Laurel and Hardy actually. It is very Chaplin-esque, and that's because uh Chaplin was a huge, huge star uh when this came out. So Oh yeah. yeah. Charlie Chaplin. Yeah, yeah. He was huge in like the nineteen tens. So yeah, we then cut to a dinner party as Windsor begins drawing his sketch of Gertie. One of Windsor's friends basically says that, oh, you said you'd make it move. Then Windsor turns the page to show a prehistoric landscape, and we finally get the cartoon to start. And now, here's the interesting thing. The cartoon itself doesn't really have a story, per se. It's really mostly Windsor commanding Gertie like a trained animal and her reaction to things. That being said, this is absolutely amazing. Again, 110 years old. There was no cell animation. For each and every frame, Windsor would have to redraw the background again and again. Yeah, Man, this came out insane. before Steamboat Willie, to give oh, you an this idea. This came out before, like, Oswald the Rabbit. This came out before, you know, Coco the Clown, the Alice comedies. This was, like, you know, this was the, like, beginning, beginning of, like, modern and Western animation. Mm-hmm. Animation in general, really, could be traced back to this one short. It's even older than uh, uh, Bimbo the dog, actually. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's, it's even older yeah, than like, the puppy. Bimbo the clown. Like, you name a famous yeah. cartoon character, this precedes it. 
Yeah, Gertie actually also, that's another thing to point out. Gertie is technically the first cartoon character because cartoons before this mostly consisted of like various little scenes and sequences and that. They didn't really have character characters Indeed. per se, like actual like, you know, personalities. Whereas that Gertie to comic strips. Yeah, exactly. But like Gertie really, really is uh I mean she's amazing, you know? And yeah. so yeah, now that we've done uh, basically talking about it, let's talk about what happens there. So uh Windsor basically tells Gertie to come out and uh take a bow. She slowly trudges out of the cave and she eats a rock and a tree along the way. And again, uh, Gertie's design, it's so simplistic and yet it is so charming. Her eyes don't even have pupils, but yet she is so expressive. She really is like like a, a comic strip character come to life, basically. Yeah, it feels that way, yeah. Yep. So one thing you will notice is uh, Gertie does a little back-and-forth dance, and uh, this shot is actually repeated quite a few times, and according to the uh, you know uh, Wikipedia page on this, so I don't know how accurate it is, this was the first time animation loops were ever used in an animation. Mmm, that is valid. Yep. So basically, uh, she does this little back-and-forth dance as Windsor commands her to stop. Gertie then uh, bows to the audience, and Windsor tells her to raise her right foot. And then, after doing another little bit of her dance, she does so. Then Windsor uh, tells her to do the same with her left foot. Uh, Gertie still just, she isn't listening, and she's dancing. And then we get to see a sea serpent rise out of the lake in the background. And it has a pretty uh, neat design. You know, it looks like a... Almost like, I guess, an eastern dragon, to be honest. Which is very interesting. Mm, yeah. yeah. Very much looks like an eastern dragon, all things considered. So yeah, uh, Gertie stares at the sea serpent, and Windsor tells her to ignore it and raise her left foot. Gertie, of course, doesn't listen. She just... Uh, continues to dance before she leans towards the audience and she opens her mouth. I don't know because the version I saw had no sound on this, you know, the uh, uh, YouTube upload. I don't know if she's supposed to be like yawning or roaring or laughing or what, but whatever. Uh, happened, I think she's, I think she was trying to like eat the audience. Like, you know how like uh, in the past, like they saw a train coming at the screen and I was like, Oh shit. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, yeah I right. Like, like the Lumiere brothers like that. Yeah. Could yeah, also be that. Who knows? Oh, that very well could have been. So yeah, basically, Windsor tells off Gertie, which causes her to start crying. And again, her expression oh, here, for something that this, this old, it is so, like, vivid, you know? Again, it's very, you know, cartoonish in that. But it's still, for, for again, a 110-year-old film, it is really, really amazing how much ex emotion he gets out of this character, who, again, doesn't even have pupils. Indeed. So, so yeah, uh, Windsor then stops Gertie from crying by giving her a pumpkin to eat, which is incredibly tiny compared to her. When it's in her mouth, it's basically like a uh, small pebble in that. Yeah. Yep. What happens is she then uh, raises her left foot correctly, and then she turns to the tree stump, and she basically eats it again. Or eats it, rather. And, uh, like, finishes the tree, basically. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's that like, was yeah, like, okay, going, I'm done animating this thing. It, it very well I could have been because I wouldn't be surprised if that's why uh, Windsor had Gertie eat the tree and eat the uh, rock, so he wouldn't have to draw like a rock, you know, ten thousand times in a row. Indeed, for sure. And then, 
Yeah, so then we get to see an elephant pass her by, which I think might be a mammoth, although I don't know if it's supposed to have, like, hair or not. So, uh, yeah, the thing that's interesting with this elephant, it almost looks like it's rotoscoped, but rotoscope wouldn't exist for, like, another 20 years. So, you know, how did they get this elephant to look so incredibly realistic, again, with, like, 1910s technology? I remember Windsor reading a, was known for being incredibly proficient at almost photorealistic drawings. Exactly. Indeed. Exactly. And like, like uh, what Chuck Jones once said, he said that it was like the uh, first being to step out of the primordial ooze was Albert Einstein. The second was an amoeba. He was that far ahead of everyone else. He said it took the rest of us like 20 years just to figure out how the hell he did all the stuff that he did. Yeah. And this is a guy like Chuck Jones saying that, so you know, you know, he means seriousness. Uh, to to prove that, uh, going back in the short a little bit, when he's uh, at the dinner with his friends and first draws the picture of Gertie, that's not sped up. He did that in real time, and he did it fast and detailed. He was just that is that amazing. Good. Well, damn, that is so awesome. Yeah. I did not know that. Wow, wow, that 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 right there was skill. That is impressive. Yep. So basically, uh, Windsor tells Gertie not to hurt the elephant. Gertie, of course, doesn't listen, and she just uh, throws the elephant in the lake, where I, I kind of like this. Again, it has really, again, for something so old, it really has solid comedy. Just that look on, like, the elephant, how annoyed it looks when it's peering out of the lake is really, really funny. Yeah, the elephant was, like, the best part for me. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely see why. But so yeah, Gertie then begins dancing as Windsor explains that she loves music. And the version I saw uh, did not have uh, music sound, so it was a little eerie. But I did discover something else. If you play the Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga battle music over Gertie dancing, I kid you not, it syncs up almost perfectly. Oh, it's dang. It's like one of those things like, you know, like uh, Dark Side in the Mood and Wizard of Oz, basically. It is. It was Upside. not intentional, and yet it just... It, it, it actually syncs up really, really close. Which it is something that I just found out at random, really, because I was playing, you know, Superstar Saga, I had the thing open in another tab, and I was like, hey, wait a minute, whoa, whoa. Well, dang. It's like weird. Yeah, definitely, it definitely uh, something definitely interesting. bizarre. So, yeah, Gritty's dance, again, it's really adorable, and... Uh, and, you know, it really is the same dance almost every time, although now she does a little bit more with it compared to the usual, like, back-and-forth loop. It really is uh, so charming, you know? Yeah, it, yeah, I'll bet. It's uh, a little charming, too, yeah. It it was just meh when I first saw it, but it uh, but it grew on me a little bit as she uh, looked like she had fun with it, like, you know? Yep. So then what happens is uh, the elephant squirts uh, Gertie in the face with water, and the way the elephant sprays at her, this looks like it would have been a pain to animate because how it sprays all over the place in that. I mean, again, you know, I, I yeah, don't really. Right, it really is something that, it, it really is impressive, you know, that the, the amount of, like, the water just hitting her face and spraying everywhere, it does and look like it's... the whole camera. Exactly, exactly. And, uh... What happens is Gertie then basically uh, picks up a rock and she throws at the elephant, but she ends up missing it. Uh, and later on, we'd find out that a uh, killer croc evidently saw this cartoon because he took lessons. 
I threw a rock at him. It was a big rock. It was a big rock. It was a big rock. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, uh, the elephant basically, uh, she misses it as it uh, swims off, apparently. And of course, there is no story, so we don't find out what happens. But Gertie then lies down for a few moments before she lifts up her tail and she uses it to scratch her nose and her head in a really cute little sequence. And again, it's a cute little uh, detail that gives her a lot more character than you think something like this would do. Yep. Yeah, very much so. And then we get to see something very interesting and relevant to our podcast because we get to see a dragon flying overhead as Gertie looks at it in wonder. And this dragon design is very, very interesting because it has four wings and it has no limbs. It looks like something... Almost like a like a medieval tapestry kind of thing in a way, the the way it's drawn, like it's shape in that, and it's very uh, you know interesting because evidently I don't know if they really knew about uh, pterodactyls back in the uh, you know 1910s or that, so I'm not sure if they would have put he would have put that in if he had knowledge of it or not, but it definitely gives it a very uh, unique, almost uh, not so much surreal but very uh, unique vibe to it. Let's say, yeah. I love McKay's uh, interaction with Gertie revolving around that, uh, basically pretending like uh, Gertie was seeing things. Yeah, and oh again, I, I love that too, especially how defensive she gets when she keeps shaking her head no in response. You know, <laughs> no, and, and then no. Windsor just keeps like needling her about it. You know, like, oh, uh, you know, you know, oh, would you lie to me? And then she keeps shaking her head no like that. No, like, oh <laughs> man, like, give this girl a break, man. Honestly, yeah. yes. Why did yeah. this honestly like around this time I just realized dear god she's adorable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And what happens is Windsor lets Gertie take a drink of the lake and Gertie slowly ends up drinking the entire thing of course. And while Gertie uh drinks the lake, we then get a small humanoid figure approaching her and it's supposed to be uh Windsor McKay herself and then the intro title says, you know, I will show you Gertie is not afraid of me and she will take me for a ride. Uh, Gertie then puts Windsor in his mouth and then puts him on her back. Gertie bows to the audience and walks off. And Windsor, okay, again, this is a great, groundbreaking, absolutely amazing short. But it was 110 years ago. Because at this point with Windsor, it almost looks like he's whipping her in a oh, way. Oh, yeah. He, he, yeah. It's supposed Which... to be the ye old ringmaster. Uh, yeah, like with the circus than, like, and that. Like with whip. That but is yeah. what's in the mo- that is what in the modern day we would call animal cruelty. Yeah, but again, yeah. this is something that is a hundred and ten years old. That there's no point in saying, oh, it, you know, it's not. I mean, it, yeah, it's no, you, you can't. You, you can't, can't fault it by this by today's standards because it is so so far removed from yep. things today, and it, it is a fantastic, fantastic short. Regardless, it is oh, absolutely yeah. amazing. And Absolute then uh, after. Gertie walks off. We then briefly cut back to the live-action dinner. The men uh, cheer over the cartoon, and the man who bet uh, Windsor that he couldn't do it, he lost the bet, so he has to pay for their dinner, and basically yeah. how it ends. So now uh, now we talked about Gertie, and but that we are not finished with talking about Gertie, because usually I like to end uh, when we talk about the media piece by talking a little bit about its influence. I found so much with this. So oh, yeah. many things to talk about with Gertie. 
Gertie the Dinosaur inspired many people to go into animation, including Walt Disney, Max Fleischer, Otto Messmer, Paul Terry, he of uh, Terry Tunes, like Farmer Gray and whatnot. Oh, dang. I mean, you know, this inspired so many people who would then inspire other people to go into animation. This oh, really yeah. is like the, uh, like the originator of uh, Western animation. You name and an animation studio in the 20s and 30s, they all saw Gertie the Dinosaur. Gertie the Dinosaur. That's what made yeah. them. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And the interesting thing is Gertie the Dinosaur wasn't even the only Gertie the Dinosaur short because there was a plagiarized version of the short, which is pretty much the exact same thing. It is, it's not even like uh, when Warner Brothers started out, they did like a, a blatant knockoff of Mickey Mouse called Foxy, who was literally yeah. a lock, stock, and barrel knockoff of Mickey. This wasn't even a Except knockoff. This, was, this is literally the exact same short as Gertie the Dinosaur, just done a little bit differently. It was done by uh, John Bray, who was a contemporary and a rival of McKay's. And it might be a little more technically impressive and that Gertie's design is a bit more what you'd think like a modern cartoon character would be compared to her more primitive design. But mm. come on, it's like, what would you rather, what do you think is better? You know, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean or the Asylum knockoff of Pirates of the Caribbean? Yeah, that basically sums it up. Yeah, and it, here's the thing that oh, says I go ahead. What what make, what makes me laugh is the amount of work in this early era that had to be put in to make a copy like this. Why not yeah. exactly own fucking thing? Exactly. It's like he saw the success of Gertie and he was like, Well, maybe if I do Gertie, I can be famous too. But here's the thing that's really crazy about it. In the nineteen seventies, uh Gertie was kind of lost for a while. For some time, in some years in the 70s, this was actually passed off as the original in some circles. Oh, dang. Can you believe that? The knockoff, was, they actually thought the knockoff was the original. Thankfully, that has been proven to be wrong, because in the 80s, I think they found like a, restore, uh, a better print of Gertie, and that's when uh, she got her fame again, but it's very interesting. Gertie was so successful... Now we're going to talk about the uh, the sequel short, which is going to be called Gertie on Tour. For some reason, it was never completed. And footage of it does survive, but it's about less than two minutes worth of it. So we could, brief, so we could uh, basically talk about it now. There's no intertitles, so we don't really know the... Uh, oh, oh, sorry, my mistake. There are intertitles with it, but they're very... Uh, it's very interesting how the story goes, basically, or the lack of story, because, again, these are just, I think, random scenes that they finished, and they didn't really finish uh, compiling it, I feel, which is a shame, because it really would have been something else if we could have gotten a uh, Gertie sequel. Would it have been good? Maybe, maybe not. But the fact that it was almost done would have been great. Mm. As far yeah. as I am aware, it was McKay himself that just decided, nah, I don't want to do this. What yeah. we saw is everything that he had animated up to the point where he just said, fuck it. I, I give up, yeah. So basically, yeah. Uh, the footage of Gertie on tour that survives uh, has Gertie meet a Toad, not Toad from Mario, although that yeah. would be an amazing crossover. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gertie will now ride me in her mouth and prove that she is not afraid of me. That is like, my horrible Toad impression. Thank a you little, very much. A little more humane. 
I, I do emphasize a little because, yeah. Yeah. But basically, yeah, she finds a toad and she hops along with it. Uh, a train passes by, which causes her basically to play with it. And it's something that's interesting. It very much reminds me of like a Coco the Clown out of the Inkwell, with how uh, Coco the Clown would interact with uh, his live action uh, settings. This was uh, the, what the Fleischers did, basically. Uh, that was their first big, big success before Bimbo, before Betty Boop, before Popeye was Coco the Clown, who is a cartoon clown, and he would interact with live-action things. This is very much similar to that. But then again, it was never completed, and we don't know if anybody really even got a chance to see this, uh, or if it was, like, lost for decades, because there was very little information I could find about uh, Gertie on tour. Mmm, that's a shame. And unfortunate. Yeah, the last scene of it that basically uh, happens is Gertie dreams of her life in the dinosaur age, and it's her doing a dance, uh, a different dance compared to the one that she did in the original Gertie the Dinosaur, a little bit more advanced one, shall we say. And there's a bunch of other uh, dinosaurs who all look identical to Gertie are watching her. And yeah, those were the only scenes that were completed. It, it is literally a a minute and 41 seconds of runtime that Winsor McKay managed to complete, which, again, is yeah. really, really fascinating stuff. And you, you got to just imagine how much work had to have been put into that in almost two minutes for that. And then he just went, ah, screw it. Yeah. Well, what happened with Winsor McKay? I mean, Winsor McKay was an in, extremely influential man. He, he, he inspired a lot of animators. It seems like that was kind of a one-way street, unfortunately, because after the failure of his uh, movie, the sinking of the, uh, forgive me for the pronunciation, Lithuania, uh, Lithuania, sorry. Lithuania. Uh, basically, it was a World War One propaganda film. It, it, it even ends with a title card, you know, we must, you know, defeat the Hun, you know, stuff like that. It was made in 1915. Yeah. It was a, a World War One propaganda film. It it failed miserably and. Winston McKay went on to become a political cartoonist for William Randolph Hearst. Now, William Randolph Hearst was a, a journalist. Uh, it was the a Lusitania, by the way. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. Uh, I forgive you. For, forgive me for my horrible pronunciation. So, yeah, basically, uh, what happened with Winston McKay, he would end up working for Hearst as a political cartoonist. And as I said earlier, he became rather bitter about animation he felt that it was ruined by commercialized characters like Felix the Cat, which, uh, which is uh, Boy, very interesting. Of time. Yeah, and uh, also, uh, at, according to a Max Fleischer at a dinner party, uh, he grew very, very upset, and he basically chastised the uh, crowd based for what he perceived was ruining animation. And it's, it's a real shame that he, he became such a, a bitter man by, by that time. Yeah, that's a bit of a shame. Yeah. It was also about 100 years old, another story. That too. Yes, yes, very right. And uh, one, but Gertie, again, the Gertie, the character, has had a very long shelf life. She appeared in uh, Buster Keaton's movie, uh, Three Ages. That's a movie about uh, basically a romance told in three different time periods the prehistoric times, the Roman times, and the modern era. At the beginning of it, Buster is riding a dinosaur, and the dinosaur is supposed to be Gertie, believe it or not. Dang. Now, this Gertie oh. was done with a stop motion, not regular animation, but the fact that she actually made an appearance in a major uh, motion picture was a pretty big deal. 
And one guy who was her major inspiration also served to uh, keep her alive in the public eye was uh, Walt Disney. Mm. On Walt Disney's television show, he showed Gertie the Dinosaur uncut in its entirety in the episode The Story of Animation, which was the first time it was screened for over like 30 years or something like that. This was the first time it was actually shown and it was even shown in its original format with, uh, with uh, an actor portraying McKay on stage and uh, basically doing the vaudeville act. That, that, that basically would have been how Walt Disney would have seen it or like how, how a vaudeville audience would have seen it, rather. During mm, this production, yeah. uh, uh, Walt Disney actually had Windsor McKay's son on for assistance, and he actually took him on a tour of the Disney studio and said that to him, imp- by all rights, this should all be your father's. Well, dang. Wow. wow. What, what, a, what, a, what a, wow. That is amazing. That, that is a, a very, very humble man because, I mean, again, and again, Windsor really could have, it really is a shame that Windsor kind of uh, disappeared after the singing of, after his uh, World War I movie because he really, really could have done so many. Can you imagine what he would have been able to do with, like, with more advanced camera techniques and sound and rotoscope and that? Oh, uh, heck yeah. yeah. The stuff that Windsor could have done with cell animation. That alone would have been amazing. To draw every single thing repeatedly. Oh, hell yeah. Amazing. But even in the modern day, uh, Gertie has made several appearances. She appeared in a Muppet Babies episode, the great Muppet cartoon show, where she directly interacts with Gonzo. Well, dang. Well, then. Yeah. I... In in Walt Disney World, there is an ice cream stand that is modeled after Gertie and has a plaque of her nearby... And they even sell Gertie cookies there, and they, they look adorable. Oh, dang. Yeah. Uh, they also did a uh, remodel of her in, like, 2016, sort of. Oh, no, no, no. cute, no. honestly. Oh. Actually, no, wait. There's something else. Uh, there was a... Uh, someone has been trying to do a new Gertie the Dinosaur project for over 30 years. There is a website called, I think, GertieTheDinosaur.com.net, something like that. It, they have been trying to do a new Gertie the Dinosaur project since 1994, and apparently has been working on a Gertie animated movie since 2001. Uh, but the weird thing with the website is it seems to have been completely abandoned since 2016, because that's the last time that they updated it, because in the store section they have Gertie movie coming out December 2016, and... Well, here we are about like seven years later and nothing has come out so far. Oh, yep. yeah. That and is... uh, the video section is just a bunch of uh, random animal videos. So that's something that is uh, very interesting. There mm. is a comic book apparently available for purchase, but I could not find it on any other website. And I imagine that if you actually tried buying from it, your money would go nowhere at this point. And the thing that's, that's interesting shame. about this website is... They say Gertie is trademarked. Now, Gertie the Dinosaur, not just the film, but also the character, is public domain, and she has been for many years now. Now, I don't know if they've tried to trademark the uh, more modern version of Gertie on the website, which it's an interesting update of her or an attempt at an update, but she kind of of looks more like a uh, uh, just what you would think a cartoon dinosaur would. With very little, uh, I think, influence from the original McKay design. Granted, you probably couldn't give her no pupils because that, with the modern design, would look a little off-putting. But 
it feels like again they just had way they just thought like oh we could do something with this character and then they never did and of course now she's public domain so anybody can do anything with the Gurry the dinosaur not just uh whoever this website was and the thing that's uh interesting too is i checked like the social media just to do research it's been like all of them have been radio silences like 2015 2014 2016 it seems like that was the time when the gas officially ran out on this uh, attempt. It's a shame. Like, I kind of want to see what they do with Gertie. Well, anyone do with Gertie. I mean, the thing is, is okay. Mickey Mouse became public domain uh, early this year, and so far we are not even a month into the year yet, and there has been so much Mickey Mouse stuff. But yet, we've had a, the a dinosaur. horror scene about Willie game. We've had a horror scene about Willie movie. I mean, granted, I don't want to see a horror Gertie the Dinosaur movie where oh, she attacks. Oh, no, I don't want to see no. that. Please don't that put would... that evil into this world. Don't, but, no. It's strange that nobody has done anything with what is the first cartoon character of all time. Like, absolutely nothing uh, in terms of, like, trying to make a modern version of it or even any kind of version of it. Since since McKay's day, there has been no attempts at sequels, at at like remakes, at anything. Yeah, it's the, it's it's like Roger Rabbit, sort of. Uh, like you have a gold mine, yet you do nothing with it. The Roger Rabbit's a little be different. That, because, I'm sorry, go ahead. The issue seems to be that other than uh, people like us who are uh, savvy but on uh, animation history and things of that nature, this is basically just. Gertie just existing is a trivia question at best. She's that, not that, that is well a shame. By and large. Yeah, that's a, that's a that real is a shame. shame. Because she deserves to be way more known. She definitely does. And oh, Gertie, yeah, she needs to be in a museum, actually. Oh, hell yeah. She in a museum! Speaking of which, speaking of that, Gertie the dinosaur has even managed to influence actual paleontology because the first ever discovery, and again, forgive me for my pronunciation, Chindosaurus was actually named Gertie the Dinosaur. <laughs> nice. Oh, that's adorable. nothing like Gertie either, which is really, it looks like a mini raptor. Yeah, I think, I feel like it would have made more sense if it was like a, in the Brontosaurus family or something like that, but mm. I can kind of see why they didn't. I guess I guess they, they had that name in their pocket and they've been waiting to use it for so long, they finally were like, eh, hey, let's just call this one Gertie. But yeah, if it was more like a Brontosaurus type of dinosaur, you could definitely see it uh, work out uh, better for her. But yep. yeah, uh, Gary the Dinosaur, what is there to say? It is it is the reason that uh, that animation exists. Like, oh, like hell eventually, yeah. the, the laws of probability dictate that someone eventually would have done animation, would have eventually done like cartoons, but it probably would have taken a lot longer if Gertie never existed. Oh, hell yeah. So now it is time for the uh, question of the uh, week, which is, what is your favorite uh, silent movie? And I'm going to go first. And a lot of people now, I, I like uh, more silent comedies and silent dramas. I feel like silent dramas can sometimes be okay, but I feel like a lot of times they're playing it a little too broad for my liking, which again, it makes sense. But I feel like the comedy aspect has aged a lot better, I feel, in a lot of ways. And I'm going to say that my favorite uh, silent movie, or rather movies, is the work of Buster Keaton. Now, no disrespect to Chaplin. Chaplin was a legend. He was an app. He was a really, really uh, w- uh, excellent comedian. He he definitely paved the way for a lot of modern comedy. But in my personal opinion, you know, hands down, Keaton's movies are 
far and away better than Chaplin's. I mean, mm. you have stuff like, uh, you know, uh, The General. That alone is such a mind-blowing, amazing movie with both comedy and pathos in it, and it mixes it com- uh, perfectly. The aforementioned uh, Three Ages, it's a romantic drama, and it also has uh, various comedy elements to it. There's a part uh, in Three Ages that never fails to make me laugh, which is uh, Buster as the uh, Roman uh, slave, basically. He's in a pen with a lion, and he remembers... So the lion has a paw on its thorn. He remembers, oh, there's a story about this somehow. How will I get out of this? He pulls out a nail file and he starts filing the lion's claws. Is the man that made the barn falling down and you just fit through the, the hole in it. Yeah, oh, yeah. That, was, that, that, that was a whole gag in every one of them. And his oh, name was Buster. Yeah. Buster was a trooper because he did all those stunts for real. Uh, everything you did, everything everything you see, he did for real. Like the part with the uh, there's a scene in the general. There's a I think a gag with like a cannonball on that. He had to actually measure it with tweezers, the right amount of gunpowder in the in the cannon to get the gag to work. Mm, I mean, holy the guy, shit. that man, evil can evil yeah. his way through the silent movie yeah. era. Yeah, this is oh, the silent movies, my favorite. Oh, nice, nice. And also, uh, have I will say this: you guys seen uh, Metropolis? Oh yes, yes, Metropolis is good. I, I completely forgot about that one. Yeah, I was thinking more like early, early silent era, but no, Metropolis is phenomenal. I mean, that mm. is really the first. Not the first science fiction, but again, like, Gertie was the first influential animation. This is the first uh, influential uh, science fiction. I mean, the machine mensch, look at that. I mean, how iconic, you know, that robot is to, to cinema in general. And the story yeah. is, is great. Fritz Long was a genius. But also, I will say this, another one of my favorite uh, silent uh, film genres, I feel like the, it worked best with both comedy and horror. You had stuff like the original Phantom of the Opera from the 1920s, which is a movie that I that gave my grandfather nightmares for three weeks. As he tells it, he basically saw a phantom and he thought, oh, it's kind of boring. You know, I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. Then the phantom that he removes his she removes his mask and it's like the 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 rotting skull face. He had nightmares for three months that the phantom was going to kill him. Mm, that is minor toughy. Yeah. And uh, also another good one, and people probably uh, know it all from, uh, people probably know it only from uh, Spongebob nowadays, which is a shame, because it is a good movie, is Nosferatu. And by the way, I like how Frankenstein is the the doctor, not the monster. The vampire is not called Nosferatu, he's called Orlock. So just want to get that out of the way, because it does bug me when people say, oh, it's the vampire Nosferatu. No. Uh, no, no, no. Actually, yeah, that one's very true. But no, uh, uh, they actually, yeah, the monster is actually named Frankenstein, because, in the like, book, right, and, right, right. Yeah, in the book. Sorry about that. I meant that as, like, the thing, but yeah. Yeah, for the movie, yeah, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But no, uh, no to again. Uh, the Germans in general really, I feel like, did silent film great because again, you have Dr. Caligari, another fantastic movie. That if you've seen Dr. Caligari, you will see influence of t- of of it in everything Tim Burton ever did. Ever, it, it is so so similar to. I think every single one of his movies takes some sort of element from a Caligari. But yeah. 
That Sweet. is, de- yeah, that that is definitely uh, going to be uh, my picks. Probably, probably going to be nice. the uh, silent horror films and also uh, Buster Keaton. So, yeah. uh, and Grom, what would you have to say? Oh, that is a tough one because I have not seen a whole lot of silent films. Also, hi Jordan. Also, hi Python. Oh. <laughs> In any case. I think the one that I ultimately recognize the most and ultimately has a lot more of an impact on me than most, mainly because I saw it from the film uh, Hugo, is uh, Georges Miele's The Moon. Oh, A Trip to the Moon. Yes. Yeah, A yes, Trip to the that Moon. Is that, that is, is a classic. Like, I've heard Georges Miele's... Uh, I, I, I don't know how accurate Hugo ultimately is, but I have heard that that movie... Uh, I've heard that Georges Mielis back in the day was a magician, and upon seeing uh, a moving picture, he ultimately got the idea to become a filmmaker and ultimately make, well, moving pictures that pretty much felt like real life, like dreams, like journeys, like something like out of Little Nemo or something like that, you know? Yeah, and they even predates Little Nemo. I mean, you got to yeah. to the Moon is 1902. That is well, over a hundred and twenty years old. So well, that dang. really, yeah, yeah. And again, the fact that we're still talking about it, it really shows how amazing, amazing that movie is because it has so many iconic moments, and it's actually a lot sharper than people give it credit for. I think oh, most people think yeah. of it as just like, oh, it's the movie where the rocket goes in the moon's eye, and they go and they have the moon people, but it's actually yeah. also a satire on colonialism. Believe it or not. Mm. Yeah, I'll bet that. Nice. Uh, yeah. Brief mention also to the uh, one where Tom, where uh, Edison pretty much electrifies that elephant, but uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But Edison was a jerk. He was kind of a jerk. Not too much of a jerk, but kind of a jerk. In any case, I even remember <laughs> that um, someone actually made a ripoff of uh, the trip to the moon. Forgot what it was called, but it was almost beat for beat the same well believe it or not, uh, a trip to the moon believe it or not a trip to the moon was actually the first pirated movie because oh. when it was released in the west uh, it's funny you mentioned thomas edison edison pirated a trip to the moon from like a french copy slapped uh english uh, intertitles on it and made money from it uh, like I say, the thing that's very interesting about the silent era, and it's something that I definitely would love to see someone make a movie on, is what Thomas Edison did to try and control the movie industry in the United States. Because he wanted, uh, he wanted only the Black Maria uh, Studios. They would be the only ones to make movies. That he would go into like movies that were showing uh, pictures by other uh, movies studios like uh, Paramount and Universal Studios and that, and have them shut down by his goons, believe it or not. That's actually... The reason Hollywood exists is because Menlo Park was in New Jersey, so they moved all the movie stuff out to Hollywood, California, so they could be as far away from Edison as fucking Exactly, exactly. That is exactly what I was going to say. That's why Hollywood exists, because Edison, it literally was halfway across the country, and of course, back in those days, travel was a lot uh, slower than it is today. You know, if you want to get halfway across the country, it'd probably take you a, a couple of days at, at most, maybe a couple of weeks even. So at that point, it was so far away that uh, that Edison and, you know, his goons who would smash up these movie theaters couldn't touch him. 
Yeah, that's certainly a certainly a pretty tough one. But we learn stuff. In any case. <sighs> yeah, that that is an excellent excellent uh points right there, both of them. So yeah. uh Striker, what would you have to say? Uh we already mentioned it, but I'm still gonna mention I'm still going to uh say what I have to say. I am I'm a massive fan of horror, so my choice is uh Nosferatu actually. Nice, nice. I was originally going to say um well uh this one that we didn't mention actually. Um oh, go right ahead. Uh the little train robbery. Which was a oh. spoof on a uh, movie by the same director, The Great Train Robbery, which was just right. the same movie but with uh, children as the characters. Huh. That that is really cool. Yeah, yeah. The Great Train Robbery was like the uh, first Western, shall we say? Or, yeah. Not the first Western, but again, the first influential Western. Yeah. Yep. The um. Uh, the spoof. Uh, Basically, like, just one scene uh, that made it famous was, like, uh, they had, like, the the robbers had uh, knocked out the engineer, and then, like, a few minutes later, as they're taking, uh, as they're taking off in the train, um, the engineer stands up and starts w- attempting to walk out of frame, but then realizes, uh either realizes they're still filming or he's supposed to stay no- uh, still be knocked out and falls back onto the ground. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Old movies like that, uh, uh, live action movies, let's say, a lot of the early movies had a lot of bloopers like that because no one had invented the idea of saying cut in action when you wanted to start something in a movie. So you'd see a lot of times in these old movies, like, you know, someone would get, like, beaten up in a fight, and then you'd see them get up and walk off because no one told them that they, that, you know, they weren't supposed to be moving at that time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, my choice is uh, Nosferatu, since I'm a massive uh, fan of horror, and, like, this is, like, an early example of, uh, well, um yeah yeah vampires in films as well as uh almost a um almost a uh uh adaptation of dracula yeah unauthorized too believe it or not oh unauthorized that's interesting yeah yeah. Uh, bram stoker's widow sued to have it destroyed and the reason it didn't is because prince had already been sent out throughout the world well then did you ever oh. see the movie? Uh, I don't know if you've seen this. It's called Shadow of the Vampire. What it is, it's a metafictional movie. It's about the filming of Nosferatu. But the, the twist is Max Schreck, who played um, you know Orlock, really was a vampire. And I think uh, Mirno actually kills him in the final sequence. Oh, dang. Well, but then. It, it's like it's a metafictional story. It's about the making of Nosferatu. But uh, you know, the person who played Orlock really was a vampire the whole time, and he actually was killing people on film. Oh, well. Merino is like a, and Merino was basically hypnotized, like a, like Renfield, or in this case, he's called Mister Knock, is in the in the movie, 
It's a really William Defoe actually plays uh, Max Shrek in it. Oh dang! Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, and he does a really good job as it. I'm that this has got me interested. I may take a look at it sometime. Yeah, then. It, it's definitely really great. Yeah, you definitely gotta see it. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. Great. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, math, what would you have to say? So I'm going to pull from Math's big book of weird uh, animation trivia facts. This is the fifth oldest animated movie ever oh. made, but it is currently the oldest surviving. All the other ones have been completely lost to time. Well, dang. The Adventures of Prince Ahmed. Oh. Now, what this is, if you've never heard of it, and I think Lud has. Yeah, I have. Uh, sounds like something Sanders Park would review. <laughs> Probably. But yeah. It was a silhouette movie, which it does differentiate itself from the cutout movies that appeared before it, because instead of actually showing the cutouts on the screen, they, they were just using the silhouettes of the cutouts to make it look cleaner, rather than the, uh, you could see like the little buttons or knobs in the cutouts themselves. This movie, to to explain how detailed this movie went, uh, first of all, it's a full 65-minute movie, which is insane for the era. Wow. And it, it took three years to make mm. in an era where movies typically only took about six months. Damn. The director had to uh, take a picture... 24 times they did they did the actual 24 frames a second and they painstakingly did every single one that's why this took three fucking years oh dear wow it, it is a very detailed movie it's based off of a thousand and one nights obviously uh it is it's it's approaching its hundredth year anniversary it's just not talked about much because this is from the era where we just don't really associate movies that much until stuff like uh, Gulliver's Travels or Snow White here in the West. Mm. Huh. huh. That it's is interesting. interesting. Because it's, a, it's a fun movie, especially if you're one of these nerds like I am that's like, holy shit, this is where all this crap came from. And like, I even um, at one point was gonna like choose a Steamboat Willie as like my as my well, choice thinking about that it. That wasn't silent, that was sound, but yeah, no, I get you. Yeah. Well, yeah. uh speaking no of that, uh Jordan has given me uh her answer because and she says that her favorite is uh Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. Which oh, dang. was the precursor to a uh, Mickey Mouse that uh Walt Disney lost in a thing with I think Universal Studios, which again prompted him and LB Works to basically create Mickey Mouse. But yeah, you can definitely tell that uh, Oswald has a lot of the spirit that Mickey would, and a little bit uh, more mischievous sometimes in ways. And yeah, they definitely have held up. But if you watch them, only watch the ones that are made from like the uh, Walt era, and don't watch the ones that were done like uh, afterwards because Universal basically tried making him into a Mickey knockoff, ironically enough, and they failed miserably. Yep. So yeah. But no, Oswald definitely is. is very iconic. And how Disney got him back was interesting. They traded the contract of a sportscaster to NBC Universal because Oswald was owned by Universal Studios. They basically traded them a contract 
uh, two uh, of this uh, sportscaster that uh, that Universal wanted, that you know their uh, TV network NBC wanted, and in exchange they had to give Disney the rights to Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, like in perpetually. For my favorite part about that is that the newscaster is on record as saying, "I'm going to be in a trivia book someday." Uh, well, there are better. Hey, there are worse ways to be remembered. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. So um, now we'll talk to uh, first uh, Evie. What would you have to say is uh, your favorite silent film, if you have any? I've never seen one, but I don't think I could actually watch one without going insane. Like I need sound. Yeah, <laughs> yeah honestly. Uh, so Otherwise, I can see why. that can be kind of hard sometimes. Because for me, silence is deafening. Yeah, yeah well, there's a lot of silent films that do have like that. musical scores in that, so it's not like like there's no yeah. sound whatsoever. Like. Uh, trip to the Moon, The Great Train Robbery. Yeah, yeah, you'd probably have to find one that has like the piano. Uh, yeah, the score, isn't that? Yeah, the score. Uh, Phantom of the uh, Lud Phantom of the Opera. Also, Math. What was uh, the thing you said again? The Adventures of Prince Ahmed. Ah, gotcha. There's also Alice that solves Alice solves the puzzle, uh, where Pete makes his debut. Yeah, and fact. Pete was a bear, oh, actually. Yeah. yeah, the Alice comedies, that was uh, Walt Disney's first successful series after he left, I think. Uh, was he in Kansas or did he ever left for Hollywood by then? I'm not sure. Anyway, uh, it basically was the reverse of uh, Max Fleischer's Out of the Inkwell, whereas, you know, that was a cartoon clown interacting with the real world. The Alice comedies was a real-life little girl interacting with a cartoon world. Mm, yeah, that's also contrary to popular belief, silent movies. The movie itself is silent, but they typically when they were shown in theaters, they did have sound because there was either an orchestra that was in the theater playing along to the movie at yeah, specific that, times, yes, yeah. specific ways, etc. Yes, yes. And now we'll uh, ask our uh, guest, uh, Python, uh, what is your favorite silent movie? I kind of did interrupt earlier since I don't know how this goes, but Metropolis. Oh, good. Sorry, what'd you say? Oh, Metropolis. Metropolis All right, said. Metropolis, right. Even though it's, I think it's over 100 years old at this point, it's just so good, even for a silent movie. Mm, I'll it, bet. Like, it is. It just takes place in a dystopian bad. future. Uh, just society crumbling, straying away from, like, I don't know. It's hard to explain. Hey, no, no, we, we, no, Metropolis is a really, again, it's the first, like, influential sci-fi movie dystopia, basically. It has, like, one of the all-time great robots, the Machine Mensch, a.k.a. Mm. the uh, False Maria, which, if you've never even seen Metropolis, you probably at least know what this robot looks like. Yeah, I'll bet. Yeah. Yep, that's a really good choice. So now it is time for the uh, Dragoness scale, where we're going to rank her. And I, um, I'll go first. And I'm just going to go on and say it. Ten. Perfect store. You know, it's not a... I mean, yep. could she have a slightly better design? Maybe. Could she have more character? Maybe. But... No, it, it's not. It, it's not just liking Gertie or even like loving Gertie. It's respecting it. Put some respect on it because without Gertie the dinosaur, without this character, 
We would never in a million years have any sort of animation. There wouldn't be any Mickey Mouse. There wouldn't be any Popeye. There wouldn't be any Looney Tunes. There wouldn't be any animated movies. There wouldn't be anime. None of it. There wouldn't be any video games. None of it would have existed without Gertie the Dinosaur. And I am so thankful we got to do an episode on her because this has been absolutely amazing and perfect score. 10 out of 10. She has reached her final form and it cannot be improved. Mm. <laughs> That's interesting. Yep. Hell yeah. So, uh, Angra, what would you give her? Uh, that is a tough one. Because, like, I do understand her impact. I understand what she does, what she is, what she ultimately represents in terms of media. Her character's nice. Her design, it's good. I honestly don't like the, the fact that she has no pupils. Like, it's not bad, but I kind of, hot take here, I like her 2016 uh, attempt at a redesign a little better than I do at a re- original. If it like it, if they like it, updated the old design a little bit, gave her pupils and whatnot, that would be pretty interesting. But as it is, though, I am going to give her a very, very uh, modest uh, 8 out of 10. I was going to give her a 7, but uh, hearing you say all that kind of softened my heart a little bit. So I am going to give her a uh, 8 out of 10. All right. Um, so, uh, sorry, uh, Striker, what would you have to say? I'm going to have to agree with you, Lud, uh, 10. All right. Like, Any particular uh, you know what, Period. Like, she's just too, uh, too cute for words. And, I, and like, the, um, the cultural impact that she had on animation as a whole, like, just amazing. Ex- definitely, definitely, a hundred and ten percent. You know, you're exactly right there. Yep. So, uh, Matt, what would you have to say? Ten out of ten. Mm. I lack the vocabulary needed to adequately describe how influential Curdy is to the medium of animation. You know what? That being okay. said, just just ignoring that and just looking at her as a character. For the era that she's from, she looks amazing. The, the fact that you can you could pick out Gertie anywhere is a uh, 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 is just astonishing, and that is just Windsor's ability to draw very recognizable characters. Uh, and then she just is so expressive, has such a great personality, is just a wonderful character. We look a hundred years later at the quote-unquote live-action Lion King, and it is so terrible how much we have forgotten that we knew at the very beginning a hundred years prior. Yes, exactly. That that is like, I've always thought that the live-action remakes, I always say that you might as well go to the animators' graves and spit on them, you know? It really does feel like it's an absolute insult to these... uh, to these movies that, oh, audiences won't take it seriously unless they're live action. Like, audiences can't relate to Pumbaa unless he's like a, a soulless, realistic-looking warthog. Yep. Yeah. Even and, though I, mean, and I said it earlier. Yeah. And I said it earlier. Uh, uh, Disney himself brought McKay's son and said, in any just world, all of this should be your father's. Every animated character that exists should be looking at Gertie and thanking them 
uh, thanking her for their existence. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That that is a, a perfect uh, summary of it. So um, Jordan has written to me. She says she is giving uh, Gertie a six out of ten. Um, nice. She. All right. So uh, Lucky Evie, what would you have to give her? I guess ten out of ten for historical significance. All good. And uh, yeah, uh, Python, our special guest this episode. What would you have to uh, give her? Uh, wait, who are we talking about? Thirty <laughs> the dinosaur. Thirty the dinosaur. Thirty the dinosaur. So the uh, Windsor McKay short from uh, nineteen fourteen. I'm like super uncultured here. Who is Gertie? She's a dinosaur uh, that is. She's, uh, she's a she's a brontosaurus. Basically, she's from the first, not the first animated short, but let's say the first uh, influential animated short. I've 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 never even heard of her until now, so I can't have an opinion here. All right, uh, we'll just leave you as uh, undecided then, if that's okay. Got it. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, that's fine. That's fine. Okay. Well, if you have any questions, or if you want to send us your uh, emails about how you think, uh, how titles it there. Sorry about that. Uh, if you have any questions, or if you want to tell us how lovely you think Gertie is, you can email us at fireydiscourse at outlook.com or visit us on Twitter at twitter.com slash fireydiscourse. Next time, we'll be talking about another uh, set of classic cartoon characters, but a more, shall we say, modern uh, adaptation of them. We're going to be talking about the 2005 Lunatics Unleashed episode, Weathering Heights, which features oh, uh, Kaylee Coop. Yeah. That features uh, Kaylee Cuco, a.k.a. Uh, the, the new Harley Quinn, as a uh, woman who becomes a dragoness. Well, so dang, that dang. Okay, oh, then. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that's one thing to be excited about with it. So, that's going to be it for uh, this week. And until next time, take care. That is, yeah, later. Later. Uh, yes. You sucked? Yep. <laughs>